welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you were ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Today is a very special day. Preston wants you to come up because Preston Woody, uh, my son, is going to be sharing God's word with us today. I asked him a few months ago to, to share on this Sunday, and he's going to be sharing this message called Jesus is Always Enough. Boy, I love that. And, uh, and I've even snuck ahead and looked at the notes. So I, I'm excited about today's message. I want you guys to, to, uh, to just pray with me over him as he gets ready to share God's word, and then you're going to take it away, all right? God, bless Preston today. Let him share the word of God as the oracles of God. Lord, let him speak with, with, uh, with authority and blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are going to be blessed. Love Amen. you, son. Amen. Go for it's going it. to be good. And, and it looks like you were so excited that you ended up getting baptized between, sir, between songs. Check I, it out. Well, <laughs> well, it's because I was running around outside doing secret things uh, to cars. <laughs> Sounds like you, Dad. Well, it's a... Uh, it's, it's good to be here, and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm thrilled, and I'm very, very excited to preach God's Word to you today. And uh, I truly believe that uh, someone is going to leave here encouraged and full of life. And, and I believe that, uh, that there's a choice that some of us have been making constantly and consistently that's, uh, that you may not know that you're making that's limiting you from being everything God's called you to. And I believe that that's going to be broken today in, in Jesus' name. So um, before I get to preaching, I just want to say that it is a, just a, a pleasure and an honor to get to, to stand here today. Um, here in place of my dad, my father, and my, my hero too. Even if he does get baptized between songs, I still love him. And, and I wouldn't be the man that I am today without dad's investment in my life. I don't know um, any other man in this world quite like you. And, uh, and oftentimes in the evenings, I just pray to God. And I, I, sometimes tears fill my eyes like, why? God, why would you give me um, a dad like I have? And and uh, I just want to know that I am so grateful for you. And you will, Dad, you will never know until eternity all the lives that you've impacted. You matter so much more than you think you do. Can we give it up for our pastor, my dad, Tim Woody? Well, I'm going to preach, and, and, uh, and I'm going to pray, and, and then I'm going to tell you a story, and we're going to have a good time today. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's going to be good today. And turn to the other person that was your second choice that you ignored and tell them, you're going to be encouraged. <laughs> Will you pray with me, Heavenly Father? I thank you, God, for your grace, God. I thank you uh, that, uh, that we don't have to, to try or to do anything to earn your approval, but you already approve of us, God. God, I thank you that here where we are today that we can uh, release any struggle, any sorrow, any pain. And God, and we can just grasp onto what you have for us. God, I, we open our hearts up to what you would have to say to each of us on an individual level. And God, I ask your, your Holy Spirit to show up and to do what only you can do. And that is to touch our hearts and to change our lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Did anybody grow up with an odd or unique family rule. Did anyone have any unique family rules growing up? Okay, just a couple hands. So a, a unique family rule that we had um, in the Woody family, one of them was um, as little boys, we were not allowed to say, I'm bored. 
We were not allowed to say, if we said that we were bored, it was as if it was a swear word. And my Mexican mama would slap me across the face. I'm bored. You're what? So we, I'm bored was a sin and a, uh, a, uh, a sin. It was, yeah, it was a sin. Thanks, Dad. In addition to being bored, an additional sin in our family was to go into the creek that was in our backyard. All right, so there we are in Can- the suburbs of Kansas City, Missouri, in, a, in our home. And I'm about 10 years old. Devin is six, and uh, Ian is probably around three. And, and we love to have brother adventures. And, and myself, I was typically the visionary and the one with the ideas. Devin was the adventurer. And Ian, who um, only at some times would respond to either Charlie Chaplin or Samwise Gamgee, Ian was the variable. You never knew if Ian was going to be on board or not. So typically, Ian was off on his own thing, on his own quest to Mordor. So, so there we are in Kansas City, overcast. And, and uh, I had just received a brand new hatchet. And with this hatchet, I was excited and exuberant about chopping something. I just had energy and passion pulsating through my veins to sink the hatchet deep into a tree, to even chop chop a plant down. I mean, I was excited about my hatchet. And it turns out that dad's gone for work and, and mom is taking a nap, as good moms do. And I have an idea of heading out into the creek very briefly and to chop down a small tree. So there we go. We walk out into the tree, and I I pull Devin, and he's with me, and he's up for anything. And I say, Devin, you cannot tell Mom. No matter what happens, you cannot tell Mom that we we went into the creek. He said, okay, I won't tell, brother. I won't tell at all. I was like, okay, you can come. So we're we're walking out into the creek, and and over the creek is this huge ledge. It's a massive drop-off that if you were to step incorrectly, you would begin to fall all the way down into the depths of the tumbling creek. And so there we were. There was a, a tree that had, uh, had kind of like fallen. It was more of a dead tree. And after I'd hacked a live tree, I realized that wasn't really working. So I found this dead tree and I started to hack it straight over the edge. And, and I began to hack and hack. And, and Devin just like, give me a try. And Devin began to hack it and hack it. And all of a sudden we split it in half and elation rushed through my veins. And I was so excited. And I said, Devin, to finish it off, let's just push it. Let's push it off the ledge. What do you think? And Devin said, yeah, let's do it, Bubba. It's going to be good. So we began to push the tree and push and push. And all of a sudden, we hear a creak and a crack, and the tree begins to tumble down the steep incline along with my little Bubba brother, Devin. And Devin, with his, with his hair flopping up and down, begins to roll all the way down the incline with, in the mud and the muck. And he, he's, he lands and he, boom, I, he, he's all of a sudden, he's still. And then he looks straight up at me with terror and sorrow in his eyes. I'm like, brother, how could you? And then Devin began to climb up as fast as he could. And, uh, and, I, and I had to, he reached a point where he couldn't get up himself. And I had to go down into the, the creek and into the woods. And, and I, was, I had to pull him up. And we, we ran inside. And, and, uh, and we, we, uh, we quickly removed the, any and all evidence of us being in the creek, except for one variable. 
myself and my brother are highly, intensely, immensely allergic to poison ivy. Does anybody know about poison ivy? And they did. <laughs> I'm preaching today, Dad, okay? <laughs> so there we are. Devin and I, by the next day, we realize, naive and too naive to take a shower, realize we have poison ivy. And it began to grow and grow. And, and we made a pact that we're going to take care of it our, ourselves. And we're not going to tell Mom. Because if Mom finds out we have poison ivy, then Mom will find out that we've been in the in the creek. So what do we do? We, we hide it. And I remember in the evenings, uh, sometimes we would come to each other's rooms just in pain because the poison ivy is beginning to, to, uh, to come up all over our body. And the more we touch it and, and itch it and irritate it, the more it seems to spread. And, and sooner or later, later, our bodies were covered in an annoying poison ivy poison. And it was just a mess. And as I transition, I want to speak to you today about a poison that has infected many of us. A poison that has infected our nation, and if left untreated, it will spread throughout your body and utterly consume you. And that is a poison called worry. I wonder who here today has infected themselves and is hiding in vain with a poison called worry. Look at the state of our nation today. People being violent towards one another who look or think, act or believe different. We're putting our faith in political leaders and political systems rather than God. That is a, ultimately a result of magnified sense of worry. Worry, by definition, I believe, it keeps us from loving deeply living generously, and dreaming big dreams. I wonder what type of dreams you've been dreaming. Or I wonder if worry has stifled and constricted your ability to dream for the future. Worry is a poison. Worry is so, uh, is so um, inflicting that worry actually, uh, actually messes with the neurons in your brain that, that enables you to be creative. Uh, it actually disables your God-given creativity. So God created us to be individual and unique and to be creative. But whenever we worry, we cut off those neurons and receptors in our brains that cause us to be less than who we were called to be. Worry depletes your creativity. Worry ultimately will steal your identity. Worry is partially the belief that what if I am not enough? dwelling on the fact that what if I am not enough? And that's a tall tale sign of why people are violent or rude or arrogant towards people who think, act, or believe differently. And even in our own lives, worry can spread like a poison. And as I transition, I want to share with you uh, someone from scripture who dealt minorly with a sense of worry. And, and, uh, and she is called Martha. And I love Martha. And uh, go with me if you have your Bibles to Luke 10, verse 38. Luke 10, 
38. And I, I love Martha because she is a well-to-do woman. She has got a job to do and she's going to get it done. She's not concerned as much with sitting around and, and, uh, and uh, just mosing around, but she wants to get the job done and get it, jo- get it done right. And I feel like in a lot of ways I relate to Martha. And, and I want to read this scripture to you. Luke 10, 38. And and this is from uh, the writer Luke, who was uh, an apostle and, and also a medical doctor. So Luke, when in his writings, you notice, will be very, very specific. He says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and remember, there's no, um, no detail in here that wasn't meant to be there. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus, what I love about what Jesus says next is he doesn't address the outward expression or what Martha is dealing with or even what Martha brought to Jesus. What Jesus does is he speaks directly to her heart as if to say, I mean, it's, uh, it's not your serving and your working that's the problem. Let's take a look at it. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried, underline worried, and upset about a great many things but only few things are needed, or indeed only one. Underline one if you're taking notes. Mary has chosen what is better. Chosen, underline chosen. Mary has chosen, which is the verb, what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Wow. And before I go on with this passage, whenever I was preparing to, to preach this, I, I was telling my dad a couple of days ago the passage I was preaching out of, and he goes, wow, that's a great passage. What if you inserted yours and your brother's names into the text just so you can just fully like feel it and get soaked and saturated into it? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to try it, saturated. So, here, so I'm going I'm to read it for you, and I'm going to insert my name in the text. All right, here we go. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a man named Preston. All right, how about instead of listening from my perspective, insert your name where you think your name should be. A man named Preston opened his home to him. And he had a brother named Devin who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Preston was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And he came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my brother has left me to do all the work myself? Tell him to help me. Preston, Preston, the Lord's answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only few things are needed, or indeed only one. Devin has chosen what is better, and it will be not be taken away from him. Wow. Great job, Devin. You chose what is better. That's interesting because there was a choice in the text. It wasn't that 
from my perspective that Martha chose to serve, uh-uh. What Jesus addressed was that she chose to worry. Mary chose Jesus and Martha chose worry. Mary has chosen what is better. It's a choice, which is to say you cannot have both worry and Jesus. Wow. Now, worry by definition is to dwell or to consume your mind on a difficulty or a problem. So how do we deal with worry? Well, I believe that the answer and the antidote is to dwell or consume our mind with something that is better than worry. And I want to give you a few brief things that I believe um, will help you to adjust your perspective and to adjust your, your, your mind and your thinking to that I believe will help you and empower you to become everything God's called you to be. Number one, shift your focus from worry to loving deeply. Write that down if you're taking notes. Shift, shift your focus from worry to loving deeply. Wow. To love deeply is the opposite of worry. Worry is invulnerability. Worry puts up walls. Worry ostracizes you from people. But to love deeply, that's, that's a vulnerable decision to make, isn't it? It's difficult to love deeply when we've been wounded deeply. It's difficult to love deeply when you know what might happen. And it's difficult to love deeply with the question and with the possibility that you are not enough or that you may not be loved in return. Number two, I want to address that back in a moment. Shift your focus from worry to living generously. Worry to living generously. Worry causes us to hold on tight and to be stiff and, and, uh, and rigid. But a generous life is open and it's free and it's light. I wanna live a life of generosity. I want to live my life excited about the future. I want to go into my days not wondering what I can get, but rather what can I give? How can I impact the world in Jesus' name? Shift your fo focus from worry to what? Generosity, living generously. Number three, shift your focus from worry to dreaming big dreams again. I wonder how worry has stolen and affected the dreams that you have in, in your life and for your future. I wonder how worry has stifled you dreaming big and dreaming those childlike dreams. I mean, I remember being, uh, I remember age three or four years old. And what I remember most about those moments is certain settings I was in just dreaming big dreams about the future, what, what ministry could look like, how I could impact people and change people, what my life would be like following in dad's footsteps, what my life could look like 
following Jesus. I mean, when I was four and five years old, my favorite Bible characters is, is David. And I just dream big, imagining myself slaying giants. And, and I would go outside with a, with, a, with a leather strap and I would, I would sling rocks into the fence until the neighbors got mad, until I broke a window, just dreaming about the future and what it could look like. How are you dreaming? What do your dreams look like? And have you become so consumed with worry that you've forgotten how to dream big again? What is it in your heart, that dream that you've pushed down, that you've had in there ever since you were just a little boy or girl? I want you to imagine yourself as three or four years old and the life you live today. Would that three or four-year-old little boy or girl be proud? Or would that three or four-year-old little boy or girl be, be sad? filled with despair. I encourage you today, in Jesus' name, let's begin to dream again. Let's, let's omit worry from our lives, and let's look toward the future. Let's look toward the great wide open expanse, the adventure highway that Jesus has laid in front of you. As I close, uh, I want to read to you something from a theologian, and if you would stand with me. I want to read to you from a theologian by the name of Belu. And I'm going to read this and we're going to sing this song one more time. But it says this, and don't spend your time looking around for something you want that can't be found. When you find out you can live without it and go along not thinking about it, I'll tell you something true. The bare necessities will come to you. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worry. Forget about your strife. I mean the bare necessities. That's why a bear can rest at ease with just the bare necessities of life. And the bare necessities of life will come to you. There is only one bare necessity in this life, and he is not a principle or a concept. He is a person, and his name is Jesus. Come on, church. We're going to sing this song about how Christ is enough, and I want you to sing it with all you've got. Lay aside all your worry, all of your stress, and choose what is greater. Choose what is better, and his name is Jesus. Come on, church. Let's sing it out. I ask for no movement at this time. I want to open you, open to you an opportunity for a change in eternity. This is the most important part of our service, and I can't stress the, the weight and tension of it. And if you are here today, maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe God's been tugging on your heart, is speaking to you, and you want to make the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed for a moment of privacy and concentration, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and put it right back down so you can be included in the closing prayer. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and be included in your closing prayer. One, God loves you so much. Two, he died so that you can have life. 
and have it to the full. Worry and strife and fear is gone in Jesus' name. Three, if you want to follow Jesus, lift your hand all over this place. I, I see your hand. Thank you. I see you. You can put your hand back down. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Hands going up all over in Jesus' name. I want to ask this, you who raised your hand and everybody in this congregation to pray these words with me. And I want you to pray it and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying so that I can have life. I believe that you are the son of God and I choose you. Worry and strife and fear must be gone in Jesus' name. I choose today to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you. 